Welcome to another exciting episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How's everybody doing on this Monday? Wow, I am so happy to be here. Oh, I cannot wait for the show. This is going to be my best show yet. How about them 49ers? 49ers, Eagles, NFC Championship. Oh, I got a lot to talk about here on the show. But before I get into all of it, just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia, from 2 to 3, Monday through Friday, right after Rod Peterson and right before Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. And this show is brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. On the show today, divisional round recap. What exciting games we had over the weekend also going to break down some nba college basketball going to get into the local stuff here in the fountain city to include the columbus river dragons and the columbus rapids columbus state cougars and lady cougars pretty much all the local stuff as well because as i do this podcast and i love talking national sports i gotta stay true to my roots I got to cover all the local stuff in Columbus because that is what I'm here for. I'm here for you. I want to give you the most local podcast to Columbus, Georgia as possible. I found my calling. I know that I've got to cover the local stuff to Columbus. And it really started when I was on the radio about three years ago and I felt, hey, I just need to continue doing this. And so that's what I'm doing. But As a 49ers fan, of course, I'm going to break down this 49ers-Cowboys game. I couldn't be more happier. And you know what? I'm going to start with that. 49ers-Cowboys, it was a heavyweight bout. And I actually made a comment on social media when it was 9-9. It kind of had a 2011 LSU-Alabama feel to it. It really did. And the turning point in that game... You could talk about the George Kittle catch. What an amazing catch. But I thought the Dallas Cowboys defense played very well. They got the 49ers to go to a three and out in their first drive. Brock Purdy looked rattled. That defensive line pressured the offensive line for the 49ers. But I really think more than anything, Dak Prescott throwing two interceptions in that first quarter really turned the page for the 49ers, and they were able to get some momentum, especially that interception in the red zone by Fred Warner. The 49ers were able to kick a field goal to go up 9-6 to at the half. But then the Dallas Cowboys had a great play. CeeDee Lamb made an amazing catch, but the 49ers were able to hold them. The Cowboys pinned them back deep, and that's when the Cowboys put the clamps on the defense, but Brock Purdy rolled out to his left, found a wide-open George Kittle, and he made an acrobatic, amazing catch. There was a lot of things that I could take away in this game because Dak Prescott is getting ripped by social media that he is not the quarterback. You you, You pay all that money to Dak Prescott, and he really only had one weapon, 
and that was C.D. Lamb. When Tony Pollard went out in the game, I agree that I think that it changed the momentum in this game, and I felt like with the Cowboys losing a weapon that it would be a little bit easier for the 49ers. For the entire game, I could not rest. I was on pins and needles all the way until the final horn because even with five seconds left to go, still a lot of crazy things have happened in football. I just don't know what the Cowboys were thinking on that play with Ezekiel Elliott lined up behind center. Jimmy Ward read it beautifully. The 49ers win 19-12. to They have won 12 straight games. And Brock Purdy is 7-0 as a starter. He only becomes the third rookie quarterback in NFL history to win two playoff games. The other two were Joe Flacco and Mark Sanchez. Still, no rookie quarterback has ever led their team to the Super Bowl. I've got plenty of time to preview 49ers-Eagles. I cannot tell you how big it is as a 49ers fan to see them beat the Cowboys for a second time in the playoffs in back-to-back years. And the Cowboys' season ended kind of the same situation. Dak Prescott had an opportunity. He had a couple of opportunities to get his team down for at least the game-tying touchdown. Or if the Cowboys wanted to go for two, they could win the game with a two-point conversion. I actually think with the kicking woes still continuing with Brett and Maurer, and I was happy that he kicked those two field goals because he got, got his confidence back. But when he got that extra point blocked, when the Cowboys got that first touchdown, and the Cowboys were only up 6-3, to three, Mike McCarthy probably questioned whether or not if they get into a situation where their kicker gets in field goal range, whether or not to just go for it on fourth down. And he actually went for it on fourth down both times, converted both times in the first half. And the Cowboys had a fourth and four. They could have kicked the field goal right there when it was tied at 6-6. But Dak Prescott, a nice quarterback sneak to pick up the first down. And I was getting nervous. I thought the Cowboys were going to score a touchdown here to make it 12-6. But then Dak Prescott throws a quick slant. It gets tipped in the air. What a great play by the defender. But Fred Warner gets the interception. And now the 49ers can play their game. And I was a little nervous when Brock Purdy threw that ball out of bounds. It, you know... That was really a rookie mistake, but luckily the 49ers had one second left on the clock. Knowing that the Cowboys are going to get the ball to start the second half, I felt that it was very important that the 49ers got points at the end of the first half. But the big blunder, the 49ers get the ball back. They're up 9-6. to six. Ray Ray McLeod with the muffed punt. It was actually a strip fumble. The Cowboys get it in great field position, and I thought it was very important that the 49ers' defense only holds them to a field goal. Up to the point when it was 9-9, I really didn't get too nervous until the 49ers got the ball back. The 49ers make a great defensive play. Fred Warner covering C.D. Lamb out in the flat, and the 49ers get the ball back, and they do what they do best. They did not run the football very well in that first half. They were able to run the football in the second half with a double dose of Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And I know the momentum. Elijah Mitchell should have stayed in bounds. He goes out of bounds, but you give the 49ers a fresh set of downs. The Cowboys have to burn all their timeouts. Dak Prescott had his shot. 
He had a shot to at least tie the game, but I felt confident. Even when the 49ers went up 16-9, to I felt, well, Dak Prescott could match them score for score, and maybe the 49ers will get the ball last and kick the game-winning field goal. I trusted the 49ers kicker more than the Cowboys kicker. But when the 49ers held the Cowboys to the field goal to make it 16-12, to I thought to myself, okay, all you got to do is just run the football. And I felt like the 49ers needed to score a touchdown there. But they just continued to run the football in that second half, which ate a lot of clock, and it did not give Dak Prescott a whole lot of time. And he had that big sack by the 49ers, Charles Amenahu. He had a huge defensive game. And I think that it was hard to overcome, especially losing Tony Pollard. I think that the Cowboys were shorthanded not having Tony Pollard. And the Cowboys are going to be fine next year. Jerry Jones spoke to the media and said that Mike McCarthy will be back for 2023. I think the Cowboys need to get a couple more weapons. I did not like the fact that they traded away Amari Cooper because I felt like they needed two elite wide receivers. Dak Prescott is great when he has all of his weapons. I think they need to go get another running back. I think Ezekiel Elliott is done. I think that he is just not the same running back that he once was. I think that being short on the offensive line with Jason Peters out. They need to do something about that offensive line. They need to get another running back that can complement Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard is the guy. I think they need to re-sign him in the offseason. It was a great game. I actually I am not going to gloat as a 49ers fan. I have a lot of Cowboys fans that are down and out this morning. It is okay. I think the Cowboys are going to be fine next year. And I hope to see these two teams just continue facing off in each other in the playoffs because this is what it is all about. I'm sure there was a lot of people that were watching that game last night. The Cowboys and the 49ers are a great rivalry, and I was glad that I was able to see it. And now the 49ers will move on to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, a team they have not really faced a whole lot in the playoffs. Only one postseason. That was 1996 when the 49ers beat the Eagles 14 to nothing. The Eagles are an early two-point favorite. I know the line has moved up to two and a half. And that is going to be a great game because you got two great teams going up against each other. It's always a hostile environment in Philly. They have rowdy fans. I don't think 49ers fans are going to be able to get a ticket to this game. I think it's going to be a huge home field advantage for the Eagles. And I think that Brock Purdy is going to struggle like he did against the Dallas Cowboys in the beginning of that first half. I don't think the 49ers played their best game against the Cowboys, but they have to play a perfect game if they want to beat the Eagles on the road and reach the Super Bowl. But I cannot believe the job that Kyle Shanahan has done as the head coach for the 49ers. Three NFC Championship appearances in the last four years. As an organization, the 49ers have reached the NFC Championship six times in the last 11 years. All they do is make it at least to the championship every time they make the playoffs since 2002. 2002 was the last time they lost a divisional round game. I'll bet. I tell you, I was reaching out to Jenny Fisher. I had her on the show last week. Excited about the 49ers win over the Cowboys. A little nervous about that NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully, I could get her on the show and we could preview that game. But with that being said, I know I spent the first 10 minutes talking about the 49ers-Cowboys 
there was still other divisional games. I'm going to start with the Saturday games because the Jacksonville Jaguars, what a turnaround with their season, and they have a lot of promise. They did lose to the Kansas City Chiefs 27-20, but they will be back. It's just even though Patrick Mahomes left, he had the high ankle sprain, he should be fine. His mobility is what makes him great. There were some times where he had some third and long situations where he was able to scramble through the pocket and get his security blanket, Travis Kelsey. But Isaiah Pacheco has some great runs. Jared McKinnon, the the Kansas City Chiefs, I know that a lot of people thought they were going to drop off just slightly because of losing Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. But they still have great wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but also getting Kadarius Toney from the Giants. I mean, that was a gift a speedster wide receiver, and also Nico Hardman. I actually think with them playing the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship, it's going to be a great game as well. On Saturday night, the Philadelphia Eagles, they jump up to the 28-0 lead over the Giants, and it was just not even close. The Eagles are clearly the much better team than the Giants. The Giants have a lot of holes, and Daniel Jones regressed in that game. I know he had a good game against the Vikings, but the Eagles' defense is completely different than what the Vikings' defense is. And the Giants just could not handle firepower of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, when you have Jalen Hurts, and he's got the weapons, and Kenneth Gainwell is your leading rusher, and the Eagles have this triple threat of running backs with Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and Miles Sanders. And they also have two amazing wide receivers, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. This Eagles team is going in with a lot of confidence, and they really haven't been tested, and that's why I'm so interested to see how the Eagles respond taking on the 49ers next week. Sunday's games, you know, all the emotions with the Bengals and the Bills. DeMar Hamlin was in the building for Buffalo. It was snowy. The Bills were pretty much unbeatable at home in a playoff game. Josh Allen undefeated at home in a playoff game. And guess what the Cincinnati Bengals do right out the gate? Right before anybody can even get into their seats, Joe Burrow throws a touchdown to Jamar Chase. And Cincinnati jumps up to that 14-0 lead. And Buffalo could not recover. Cincinnati's defense came to play. And Buffalo, which needs help on their offensive line, I think their defense took a hit when Von Miller went out with the injury. And I think that Buffalo is really Josh Allen-reliant. They're really heavy on Josh Allen, and they don't really have a running game. And Stephon Diggs is frustrated. And Buffalo, once again, another heartbreaking playoff exit. And Cincinnati, it feels like they're just playing with house money. A lot of people thought Cincinnati was going to drop off after their Super Bowl loss to the Rams, and they got some help on the offensive line. Now, they had three offensive linemen that were out, Jonah Williams, Liddell Collins, and Alex Kappa, you know, the two free agent acquisitions to really strengthen that right side of the offensive line. They were out. Well, no problem. They ran the football with Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, and Joe Burrow, as cool as ever, Is he not the best quarterback left? I actually think he's a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes. I would give the slight edge to the Kansas City Chiefs because they are playing at home. But man, I'm excited to see this rematch between the Bengals and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. It should be fun. The championship rounds are set. You got the 49ers taking on the Eagles, and then you got the Bengals taking on the Chiefs. Who wants to go to the Super Bowl?
I mean, that's right now. I'm looking at some of the intriguing matchups to see who are the teams that will represent their conference in the Super Bowl. And I can't wait. NBA over the weekend. Oh, what are the Hawks doing? Oh, I I hate to rip the Hawks on this show, but I just have to. What are they doing? They were so good. A five-game win streak. Then they're taking on the lowly Charlotte Hornets at State Farm Arena Saturday night. And you lose to the 13 and 34 Hornets, 122 to 118. What are you doing? And they had a 19 point lead in this game. Are the Atlanta Hawks channeling their inter Atlanta Falcons? If you want to be an elite team, if you want to reach at least the second round or even the conference finals in the NBA playoffs, because that's the goal if you're the Hawks, a healthy Hawks team. I think they could compete with just about any team in the Eastern Conference, and they could give it a six or seven games. You cannot lose to bad teams at home. The inconsistency of the Atlanta Hawks is what's going to get Nate McMillan fired. You can't do this. But Terry Rozier, could somebody just put a body on him? He was just unstoppable. 34 points, 11 to 25 from the field. I don't care how good DeJounte Murray or Trey Young is on offense. If you can't get any defensive stoppers, then you're done. Look, they play the Chicago Bulls tonight. It's on the road. They got to get this win. And the Chicago Bulls are one of those teams that are looking on the outskirts of the play-in game. I could see if, if the Hawks don't put a body on DeMar DeRozan, he could just score 50. The Hawks don't have a defensive stopper. They don't have a Reuben Patterson type player. But one team I do want to talk about that are now on a two-game losing streak after winning 11 games. They had a tough road trip. The Memphis Grizzlies, they lose to the Suns 112-110. Over the weekend, Friday night, this was a very interesting game with the Lakers beating the Grizzlies 122-121. And the Lakers are starting to turn the corner. Russell Westbrook had 29 points. I know that all we saw on the highlights was Shannon Sharp getting into a scuffle with John Moran's father on the sidelines. But I'm telling you, I think that the Los Angeles Lakers can sneak into that play-in game. Now, I don't know how they're going to do in the play-in game. I mean, they could lose to the Warriors in the play-in game. But the Lakers... Like late last night, I mean, I I was getting ready to go to bed, and I know that I saw highlights on uh, my TV like really late when I was done listening to the postgame highlights of the 49ers-Cowboys. Lakers beat the Trailblazers 121-112, to and LeBron James scored 37 points, and the Lakers came from a 25-point deficit at halftime to win the game and Let's not get it twisted. I mean, the Lakers have won two straight. That's great for them. They take on the Clippers this Tuesday. They take on the Celtics next week in the ABC Showcase game. And then they take on the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they have some games that are going to be televised. There's a chance that AD could come back in the next couple of weeks. And then the Lakers could really start making their push. You know, the typical Laker fan still thinks that they're a championship team, but I highly doubt that, especially with the strength of some of the Western Conference teams. But, hey, they did beat the Memphis Grizzlies, and they are one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Denver's got a one-and-a-half game lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. 
you have Memphis as the number two seed. Sacramento would be the number three seed, followed by New Orleans, the number four seed. But New Orleans have lost four straight. Dallas has lost a game. The Clippers, they have won two straight. Phoenix right now would be in the play-in game, along with Minnesota, Utah, and Golden State. So right now, the Lakers are a game behind Golden State. You know, the Warriors didn't really do themselves any favors. Losing to the Brooklyn Nets at home last night. I watched a little bit of this game on NBA TV. And the Brooklyn Nets do not have Kevin Durant. But Kyrie Irving shown that he is a clutch player. 38 points. And I think that Brooklyn has to be the most dangerous team when Kevin Durant comes back. And I think they could even go toe-to-toe with the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks. But right now, Brooklyn is in a tie with the Bucks with a 29-17 and record. How about the Philadelphia 76ers? Five straight wins. They're only four and a half back from the Boston Celtics, who are winners of nine straight. These teams in the Eastern Conference, they know how important home court is, and they are taking the regular season seriously. I'm super excited about talking about the NBA when football season winds down. Now let's get in to college basketball, because I do believe when the new AP poll comes out today that we are going to have a new number one. Down goes Houston. The Houston Cougars lose to Temple yesterday, 56-55. You had Purdue barely beat Maryland. They might be the new number one. But Kansas losing to TCU on Saturday. There is a chance that the new number one could be the Alabama Crimson Tide getting an 85-64 win over Missouri. And also, Georgia lost to Vanderbilt. That was one of those games at Stegman Coliseum that I felt they had to win if they want to get in the NCAA tournament. You've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat at home. And Georgia could not get it done. I was very disappointed. If you look at the landscape of the SEC, Auburn got a big win on the road against South Carolina. Tennessee beats LSU on the road. Florida beat Mississippi State on the road. And Arkansas took care of business against Ole Miss. So the SEC standings look like this. We could have a collision course between Alabama and Auburn. Alabama 7-0, 17-2 overall. And Auburn 16-3 overall, 6-1 in the conference, along with Tennessee at 6-1. Oh, I cannot wait till SEC conference play. This is so exciting. And I also want to remind everybody that this is the week that I will start my Bracketology shows. Yes, you're about to get enrolled in Bracketology 101. Who are going to be the number one seeds? Who are the first four in? Who are the first four out? I got to do a little bit of research. Uh, Usually I uh, just steal it off of ESPN's Joe Lenardi. But I will have it on this show. Bracketology 101. So uh, you're about to get enrolled in the class. But I absolutely love college basketball, especially during this time when we get closer to the conference play. And I can't believe I'm saying this. There's really something wrong with Georgia Tech. You lose to Syracuse 80-63 to at home. Georgia Tech's 8-11. and I think Josh Pastner is going to be fired. I mean, what is Georgia Tech doing? They have lost five straight games. After beating a ranked Miami team, About three weeks ago, they lose five straight, and they take on Clemson this Tuesday. And then Saturday, this was normally a big-ticket item, especially when Duke was in their heyday with Coach K. 
Duke is taking on Georgia Tech this Saturday afternoon on the ACC Network at McCamish Pavilion. You know, it's always been a bucket list thing for me to actually go to a Duke-Georgia Tech game. And I know that this was a very tough ticket to get way back in the early days when Georgia Tech was amazing. And I cannot say that about Georgia Tech. They have not been amazing for 20 years. It is almost 20 years ago that they went to the championship game and lost to UConn. That team led by Jarrett Jack and Will Bynum. And that's why Paul Hewitt got that big extension. He took over for Bobby Crimmins. And Georgia Tech, it looked like they were back on the map. They had great players like Chris Bosh. And then they have fallen off a cliff since 2010. Well, one of the teams that I really wanted to give love to, in fact, I actually thought that maybe they would might hire me, is Kennesaw State. I love Kennesaw State basketball. When I first moved to Georgia back in 2006, one of the first sporting events I went to as a resident of Georgia, I went to see Kennesaw State. I think they were taking on North Florida. I've seen Kennesaw State take on Mercer. I've seen Kennesaw State take on Georgia Tech. I've been to several Kennesaw State games in my uh, time up in the Ackworth area. And let me tell you something about Kennesaw State. They're going to the NCAA tournament this year. There is no doubt in my mind that Kennesaw State, who got a huge victory over Florida Gulf Coast on the road, just to let you know that is Corey Banks' alma mater. I'm probably going to hear from him. Uh, But Brandon Stroud for Kennesaw State, 15 points. Kennesaw State, 15-6. and This is the most wins that Kennesaw State has ever had in program history. And Amir Abdul-Rahim, he's got to be coach of the year in the Atlantic Sun. Kennesaw State is going to go to the NCAA tournament. I mean, once they get into the Atlantic Sun conference play, they got to face Liberty. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a, a foregone conclusion. How exciting would the metro Atlanta area be if Kennesaw State were able to make the NCAA tournament? That would just be crazy and I would be super excited for Owl Nation as my wife went to Kennesaw State and so we support KSU Athletics here on the Sports Beat as I did start my YouTube channel back in 2009 up in the Kennesaw State area so that's just something to think about all right well this is a podcast that is dedicated to sports in the Fountain City So we're going to kick things off starting with the Columbus State Cougars. Unfortunately, they lost to North Georgia College 60-55 over the weekend. They were led by Nelson Haskins, 11 points. And the Cougars are 9-9 overall, 2-6 in the Peach Belt. They will take on Georgia Southwestern this Wednesday. How about those Lady Cougars? They get the 64-52 win over North Georgia at the Lumpkin Center this past weekend. And the Lady Cougars are 10 and 6 overall, 4 and 4 in the Peach Belt. Amelia Tenbrock led the Lady Cougars with 17 points, and they will also take on Georgia Southwestern just up the road in America's Georgia. That is their most closest geographical rival in the Peach Belt. And as always, you can listen to those games on 88.5 WCUG with Scott Miller doing the play-by-play. All right. Let's talk about the LaGrange Panthers. 12-6 overall, 4-1 in conference play. 
They are taking on Piedmont this Wednesday. They got a little bit of a break in action. You can listen to those games here on the flagship station for LaGrange Panthers, WQEE. All right, the Lady Panthers got a big win over Wesley in 81 to 50, and they are 12 and 4 overall, 6 and 1 in region play, and they are also taking on Piedmont on the road this Wednesday. The Point University men's Skyhawks basketball team, they lose to Union 71 to 58. They're taking on Brian this Wednesday. They are 11 and 10 overall. The Lady Skyhawks, they get a huge 83 to 28 victory over Union and they are 14 and 6 overall taking on Brian this Wednesday as well. Hey, the River Dragons got a split over the Carolina Thunderbirds. I know it looked very dire after losing 4 to 3 on Friday, 0 and 3 against their longtime hated rival some River Dragons fans getting a little weary, had a three-game losing streak, but they got the job done. They salvage uh, the split over the Carolina Thunderbirds with the 6-5 victory on Saturday in front of a huge crowd at the Columbus Civic Center. And the Columbus River Dragons are 24-5-1 with 70 points in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Now, they got a two-game series this Friday, and this is a big series because Port Huron is in second place with 58 points, and they got to get these wins. I mean, right now, the Danbury Hattricks have 65 points, and they are looking at the Columbus River Dragons and trying to get that home ice, and that is the key. Your leading goal scorer for your Columbus River Dragons is Jacob Kelly with 25 goals, followed by Alex Storjahan with 19 goals. All right, I'm going to finally get to the Columbus Rapids opener against the Memphis Americans. As I was trying to watch it on YouTube, on the NISL YouTube channel, with anticipation, I was excited. I pulled up my computer and I turned it on and they didn't have anything and so I was getting frustrated just like every other Rapids fan that was trying to watch the broadcast you know technical difficulties happen all the time you know it's just part of having a broadcast and I understand so I did get updates from Lee Snow who actually was in attendance at the game and he is actually the producer of the off the walls Rapids podcast that we air at Ivy Park on Tuesday nights. So if you want to get the full detail of these games, then listen to the show because I'll break down both the men and the women's games. The men fell to the Memphis Americans 5-1. to one. You know, the men's team did have the one nothing lead thanks to a goal by Eric Sanchez and the assist by Kyle Kurt. Both have been guests on the show. Here's what I want to say about the men's team. Now, this team has really improved from last year. Their first two games against Memphis, they lost 6 to nothing and 10 to nothing. I feel that was a major improvement from last year, only losing 5 to 1. They did take the 1 nothing lead and they're going to play Memphis tough. You cannot wait until Memphis comes to the Columbus Civic Center for that double header. It's actually a triple header, but Memphis is playing Columbus in the first two games on uh, March 10th and 11th. Look, I'm a huge Rapids fan. As a play-by-play announcer, I love the Rapids. But, man, we want to beat Memphis so bad. And I love Corey Adamson. I actually reached out to him, and I, I just said, you know, 
congratulations on the wins. I know that Corey Adamson is a very competitive guy. And I really appreciate what he has done for the league. It really, it makes it amazing that Memphis has a big target on their back and all we want to do is beat Memphis. So yeah, I'm disappointed that the Rapids lost, but I am very proud of the effort. Now let's talk about the women's team because they went up 2-0. This is a much different women's team from last year. We got some Rome Gladiators on our team and I really am excited about the front line of Carly Banks and Olivia Gerald. 2-0 thanks to goals by Kaylee O'Connor and Carly Banks. And then this is the part that was getting frustrating. Memphis tied it up to go 2-2 at the half thanks to two set-piece goals. And Kelsey Keon, isn't she not the best at setting up her teammates in set-piece goals? I mean, Memphis has got firepower everywhere. Two goals each by Kelsey Keon, Brianna Liera, and Bailey Tadlock. I mean, seriously. And look, call me bitter. I don't like it, but they have a little bit of a swagger to them that makes me want the Rapids to beat them even more. When Kelsey Keon scores a goal, I mean, the way she celebrates, it gets me to cringe just a little bit. I'd be happy if she was on my team because she is a dynamic player with a lot of swagger. And uh, she is one of my favorite players that plays for Memphis. I thought that Angel Haley had a great game. She had some amazing saves. Bria Riancha had some amazing saves for the Rapids as well. So you had the two best goalkeepers in the NISL going head-to-head. And I got to tell you, I am excited about that game on Sunday as the men and the women's team will travel down to Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Strikers for the first time this season. And I'll be watching those games on YouTube I'll probably be having the split screen watching the NFC Championship, Niners and Eagles, and the Rapids and the Tampa Bay Strikers. And then get ready. It's coming. A couple weeks from today, February the 1st, the home opener in the NISL, the Columbus Rapids taking on the Fayetteville Fury. And of course, I mean, that's why I talk Rapids on the show. I am the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus Rapids. And I have got a lot of to talk about on the broadcast. I know that I've gotten a lot of praise from other announcers and people in the media about what a wonderful job I do on the broadcast for the Columbus Rapids. But as a play-by-play announcer, I always feel that I can improve. I always feel that the terminology for the soccer terms can be slightly a little bit better. But as I've as I gotten to know these players on both the men and the women's team, I feel not just that I'm a fan, but I am confident that the broadcast can sound exciting, especially when it is a competitive game. And I know that the Columbus Rapids are going to do very well in year two in the NISL, which has a different format. The number one seed, the team with the best record in the NISL, will get a first-round bye the number two and the number three seed will play each other in the semifinals. And unfortunately, there are going to be two teams in the NISL that will be watching the playoffs from the couch. So it is very important that the Columbus Rapids come out the gate hot to start the season in the NISL. 
All right, we did have some amazing high school basketball games over the weekend. And I want to remind everybody that Friday is going to be my high school basketball show as we have some massive games this week that I'm going to recap. I'm going to reveal my top 10 for East Alabama and my top 10 for West Georgia. You probably know what direction I'm going with Valley. 22-0, the Valley Rams beating their longtime rival, Lynette, 71-41. Oh, Valley looks amazing. Northside got a big win over Hardaway, 49-43. They take on Harris County on the campus of Northside this week. And then you got the battle for the Bruccelli Jug. Well, not really. In basketball this week, St. Ampicelli and Brookstone. It's going to be at Brookstone. I already saw the social media posts. Thrift Barringer is going to be on the call. I cannot wait for that. St. Ampicelli has been looking amazing Auburn gets a big win over Central. I mean, both teams having a great season. The Spencer Green Wave, they got a big game this Tuesday against Kendrick. Spencer, the defending 4A state champions, are 14-4 and 7-0 in region play. I am excited about high school basketball. I cannot wait. Boy, I tell you, this show has really flown by. You know, when I do these shows on Monday, when I recap all the events that happen in sports, I mean, we don't have college football anymore. The NFL is winding down. It is going to be hard, but I want to let everybody know that this week I do have some great shows, and I'm going to preview the conference championships between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. So, before I close, there's a reason why I wanted to do the show a little bit later in the day. Because, number one, I'm excited as a San Francisco 49ers fan. But I also wanted to see the reaction from Cowboy fans and how they are responding to that loss to the San Francisco 49ers. It's not good. The Cowboy fans are a little depressed this morning. They are ripping Dak Prescott. They think... That Dak Prescott is not the quarterback that can get the job done. I disagree. I think that Dak Prescott is a leader. He's got some pretty good intangibles. And he is a franchise quarterback that the Cowboys can rely on. But I look at the reaction from Skip Bayless. And, you know, I follow Skip Bayless on Twitter. I mean, he's tweeting about every little get thing about the game. On how this Trayvon Diggs dropped an interception. Just the momentum shifted. The Dallas Cowboys, two turnovers. You know, the 49ers also had a turnover in that game. And then I love Stephen A. Smith and his reaction after the Dallas Cowboys lose. But as a San Francisco 49ers fan, I'm going to stay humble. I know that being a lifelong 49ers fan, it gives me great pleasure to witness a franchise who's very popular west of the Mississippi. The 49ers have a great fan base, which I don't think that they're going to travel very well against Philly. And trust me, I already looked up the distance to the city of brotherly love. It is 13 hours away from my house. I'm not thinking about getting tickets, but I always am optimistic about a what-if scenario. Could I make that trip to Philly to witness my team in the NFC Championship? Well, it's a fat chance. I don't think I would ever get tickets because I don't think that they're selling a whole lot of tickets to 49ers fans. It's not going to be a situation where the 49ers come to Jacksonville and it is 70-30 49ers fans. I believe it's going to be 90-10 Eagles fans. 
the Eagles have the best fans in the league, in my opinion. And they are excited about their team. And I think the Eagles have a really good shot at reaching the Super Bowl. I would not be too disappointed if the 49ers lose. I'm just happy that they're here. And I'm happy that they beat the Dallas Cowboys. That's all I really uh, care about. All right. We do have a busy show this whole week. I just want to thank everybody who has listened to this podcast. Uh, thank you for all your support. Because without your support, you know, this show is not possible. And uh, I don't know how I could get through the day and uh, talk the sports that I do. It's just because of the passion that I've had for doing sports talk radio. And that's something I still want to do to this day is get on the radio and talk sports five days a week. With that being said, I'm going to give you a five day a week show. I owe it to you as a sports fan to give you a five day a week show. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to the show. And don't forget to like, subscribe to my Facebook and Twitter. Stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. I know they're going to be talking up football as well. Man, we got to get a crossover show. I'm telling you, I would love to be on his show. And uh, he's more than welcome to come on mine. I mean, I'm loving to have some guests. Uh, I really don't know what the guests are looking like this week. It's pretty much up in the air. Because I'll reach out to people and say, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And, you know, people have busy lives. I, I get it. But let me tell you something. I would never turn down somebody that wants to be on my show. If you want to be on my show, reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter, and I will get you on the show. I know that there are a lot of sports fans out there that want to have a voice. There's a lot of people out there that want to do podcasts, that want to talk sports. I am truly blessed that I have an opportunity not only to do this podcast and to promote it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, but also to have it on this radio station Monday through Friday from 2 to 3. I am truly blessed, and I thank you so much for continuing to support this show as I approach my three-year anniversary. Oh, I cannot wait. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.